we just thought to take a little time out to thank the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for season six. Thank you. Who would have thought a podcast could be a gift? Really? That pressing B could spiritually uplift and simultaneously give a Pharisee fits. <laughs> all in all, you the one controlling it. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I can't go skit. So, this new pot life is like a skit, though. A lot of people swinging. I didn't even throw a pitch, though. Uh, forehead is flint, what I'ma flinch for? Nothing. We all gon' repent for what we did, so I'ma keep it moving. Ain't no stripper or no cussing gonna ruin what we doing. We are dwelling in communion. Assignment is different. Dwellers get the sentiment. Vulnerability's my superpower. How many feeling it? Thank you, Lord, for this influence. Without you, influence just don't make sense. Nah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Basement. I am your host, Tim Ross. I love you guys so much. I hope you're all doing well. Listen, I cannot thank you enough for your support, for your generosity, for your love. And so I'm shouting out Press B. I'm shouting out my dwellers. Shouting out those promoters. I'm being a literalist right now. So I'm shouting you out like real loud right now. Promoters, dwellers, beers. I've never called them beers before, but that's what y'all are. <laughs> Press bees, y'all some beers. So, um, but not beers though. Y'all are not beers. Y'all are beers. I need to make sure there's a hyphen in there or apostrophe or I don't know, whatever, whatever the English language tells you to put in there. Uh, thank you also for your extravagant giving through Cash App and PayPal. Uh, your generosity abounds and allows us to be out here in these streets, doing what we do, how we do, with no one, absolutely no one, that can cancel us. (laughs) Had to put that in a movie voice. This summer, (laughs) the basement boys can't be canceled. Rated NC-17. (laughs) Rated M for mature. Listen, if you hear that chuckle, um, that is my guest for today. Uh, a brother that I have literally known less than six months. Hmm. But there's some people that just get in your heart and you feel a connection and God bypasses all your little security codes uh, because he says, uh, you don't need to do that with this person. I've already vetted for him. I vouch for him. You need this brother in your life. Make the connection. And that's exactly how we connected. And from the first time we met, to our subsequent first conversation, it was like we had already 250 hours of relational equity that we had laid down. And so um, we're going to get into a great conversation with um, someone that God is using in a very unique and significant way. I can't wait for you to hear his story and I can't wait for us to catch whatever waves we're going to catch. So uh, without further ado, I want to present to some and introduce to others the one the only pastor andrew f carter's in the building let's go let's go man i'm so grateful you're here uh thanks thanks for having me glad to be here thank you so much for being here man you flew in like legit just now just now (laughs) landed an hour ago yeah 
From Cali. From Inglewood. From Inglewood. That's Did y'all right. hear that? Did y'all hear that? This is how we starting right now. Did y'all hear that? Right. <laughs> From not just California. Inglewood, California. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I know he left from LAX. Because if you live in Inglewood, there's no other airport <laughs> except LAX. That's it. Why would you ever go anywhere else? So, man, thank you so much for jumping on the plane, coming down here, being with us. And, man, I, um, I love you. And you gave me an extravagant gift when we first met. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was just your genuineness and your vulnerability on sight. There was, like, no pretense to you. There was no, like, yo, bro, where are you coming from? There was just this genuine openness that you had that I found very, very endearing. And um, the first phone call we had, like I said in the introduction, it literally felt like we had been rocking for years. So before we get into anything, I just want to know where that came from. I mean, honestly, that is what put me where I'm at. Just being real and raw and transparent and using the things that I've gone through to share with other people. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. Is I just feel like that's how we're supposed to be. As yes. I'm, I'm tired of masks. I'm tired of you know these false pretenses. I'm 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 exhausted. It's yeah, exhausting. Me, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, as, me too. As I get older, I just feel like I need less of those relationships where it's superficial or shallow. And yep. I just like here I am. This is me. Yep. If you don't like it, you're not my people. Yeah. Uh, but if you love it, then let's rock. Let yeah, let's go. bro. So yeah. No, I'm glad you said that because I remember one of the things that we talked about uh, is. W- w- when I was sharing with you about um, finding people that came from the same womb as you. That's right. <laughs> Woomates. Woomates. Exactly. Yo. Did you just freestyle that right, right, right now? Woomates. Yeah. Woomates, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so here, here, let me give you the context to it. So the context to Woomates is that Jacob had 12 sons uh, through four different uh, women, right? It was Rachel, Leah, Bilha, and Zilpah. And... Um, as we know, uh, Jonathan is slow. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, not Jonathan. Joseph is uh, is thrown into and sold into slavery by his ten brothers. Okay, um, and we all know the whole Prince of Egypt story. But as he ascends to power, and poverty hits Jacob's house, the ten brothers have to come get grain. Joseph does not. Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. And Joseph does not reveal to his brothers that he is their brother until he finds out how Benjamin is doing. Because Benjamin is the only one that came out of the same womb as him. Mm -hmm. Joseph and Benjamin come through the womb of Rachel. And so while he loves his half-brothers, he wants to know how his full-blooded brother is doing. Did you do the same thing to him that you did to me? I need to know. Right. And so once he find out that he's safe, then he puts him through some little tricks and games. And then he finally reveals, I'm your brother. But what God showed me through that episode is that um, 
everybody in the body of Christ is your brother and your sister, but they don't all come from the same womb as you. Wow. And if you've ever gone through a green room or a church conference and you felt like I really connected with this person, but I really didn't connect with that person. It doesn't mean they're not your brother or sister. It simply means y'all didn't come through the same womb. That's good. And when you find your womb mate, mm -hmm. the people that you, you came through this, the same womb of thought, you got the same philosophy on life. I, the way I put it is we grew up in the same tent. We may not have known each other. We may, you may be on a completely opposite side of the world, but when we vibe, the, we passed the vibe check, right? We grew yeah. up in the same tent. And that's how I felt about you off jump. Wow. And so um, tell us the Andrew F. Carter story. <laughs> I'm excited about this. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be honored to. Yeah. So um, I'd like to start with just the fact that my mom and dad were both drug addicts, both addicted to drugs. Okay. And my mother was a prostitute and my dad for a time was her pimp unofficially. Got it. And so I'm the product of, you know, a pimp and a prostitute coming together. Um, I don't know if there was necessarily love there. I don't yeah. know if there was necessarily like what that looked like, but yeah. I was born addicted to drugs as well. Uh, my mother was using drugs throughout the pregnancy. And so the way that I came into this world was, kind of my back against the wall. I was put in a position from jump to not succeed. Most kids born in that situation don't ever make it to the other side. Absolutely. They don't live to see 21 in most cases. Correct. And so, um, you know, my mom fled from my dad at a young age. And so I grew up in Southern California until I was 11 years old. And I lived with her and, you know, her side of the family, which is all Caucasian. My mom's yeah. white, my dad's black. Okay. So I never met my the black side of my family. My wow. context from zero to 11 was a white a white context a yeah. caucasian context yeah and so we moved around we lived in like garden grove uh long beach all over southern california mm -hmm. well my mom ended up getting back on drugs she was clean for a while mm -hmm. she got her life together i have a younger brother from a different dad and uh when she went back to drugs she put me on a bus a greyhound bus and sent me up to portland portland oregon wow yeah so that's where i was born i was born in portland yep was there for a month yep. and then grew up in california yep so I go back to Oregon and that's when I meet uh, my dad for the first time at 11 years old wow. and uh, introduced to the black side of my family. Yep. And uh, immediately it was, it was challenging because I didn't fit in. Yep. Uh, I had grown up white. So, yep. you know, I think the soundtrack that I was just recently listened to was the, the, the Lion King soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I didn't know who Grandmaster Flash was. <laughs> Everybody was listening to Too Short yep. and Tupac yeah, and absolutely. E. Yeah. And they're like, well, what are you listening to? And I'm like, I don't know. I can hear it coming in the air of night like i don't know yeah. phil collins from the lion king and so you know <laughs> it was bad oh it was bad uh, and so i learned real quick you know mm. what the, the difference of where i grew up and where i was at and yeah. so um you know my mom ended up moving back to to oregon and my mom and dad got to back together at like 12 years old after not seeing each other for over a decade wow which was a weird situation for me you know um again both drug addicts yeah they were together for a few months uh my interaction with my dad was it was horrible it was just mm. it was a bad experience uh, a lot of rejection yeah i wasn't what he thought i was going to be um and then even when they got back together uh my mom was working trying to save up some money and we were living in a basement and um when she got her paycheck my dad took the money and 
took off. And that was the last, that's actually the last time I've physically seen my dad was him taking the money that we needed to get into an apartment. And so, wow. you know, that's the context in which, you know, my, yeah, my, my parents. Bro. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And whatnot. So uh, about the age of 12, I started smoking and drinking and having sex and selling drugs and doing those things um, just because that was the world that I grew up in. That was the norm. The adults who were, you know, impactful and powerful in my life were doing those things. Right. So I did them too. Yeah. Um, can I can I get asked for clarity on something? Of course. Yeah. So so the the white side of the family was as unstable as the black side of the family. It, they were they were more unstable. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the white side of my family, um, they're all on the system, and there's nothing wrong with being on the system, but they yeah. have a poverty mindset. Got it. So grew up, you know, on the system, food mm -hmm. bank, EBT, mm -hmm. food stamps, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of government assistance that you can possibly think of. Yep. I think the highest person in our family on that side was uh, maybe had a, a high school education Got it. at the most. Got it. The African-American side, the black side of my family, uh, my grandparents were Seventh-day Adventists. They owned their own home. They had like 10 kids. Wow. Uh, they were raising all the grandkids. So they were... Uh, a patriarchal strong black grandfather yeah but all their kids were running amok in yeah Portland. yeah so sure. and they were all raising the grandkids but yeah. um i would say that they were far more successful if i were to measure the two of them understood so yeah thank you for that yeah. I, the reason why I, I i'm curious I, obviously i see everything in pictures and so as i'm as i'm looking at how this impacts a boy that's now at 12 years old you know what I mean? There's just, there's so much confusing, unstable social cues to have to pick up on, Yeah. right? Like you yeah. have to yeah. snatch that stuff out the air and be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> over here I'm this, right? <laughs> and right. over there I have to be that. Yeah. And by 12, you mash that thing up to be yeah. what you think yeah you're supposed to be yeah. yeah yeah that's interesting yeah i was bullied i was picked on i was mm. made fun of because mm. I, I didn't understand especially going from california to oregon where the it, it, portland was the primarily black area so okay. i was bullied they called me big country they made mm. fun of me uh interesting yeah. coming from cali yeah coming from california <laughs> right, right right because i was around white people so yeah long, yeah you know and so there was a lot of mixed signals and trying to figure out who i was yeah i had no idea yeah and that's where drugs alcohol and and sex came in because that that's that's a you know that's a high five yeah you know that's uh you automatically get acceptance right. and belonging from a certain kind of group didn't matter if you were black or white that's very true you know we all spoke the same language which was you know we're coming from a traumatic experience that's trying right. to escape right. through drugs and alcohol that's right so that's kind of where I found my crowd was mm -hmm. in in that circle um you know fast forward I'll skip a lot of you know I was in and out of foster care okay. I bounced around from different house to house I went to like uh, four different fifth grade classes. I went to three different seventh grade. I never went to the same school back to back years mm. until my junior and senior year. Um, yeah, it was it was wild. Yeah, that's uh, that's wild. That's was, a roller coaster. Fan. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, that's a, roller, a coaster. roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. The best time that I experienced though was my tenth grade year. I was in foster care, and I had an amazing experience because that really shaped how I would be as a man long term. So I realized that with consistency and discipline, because I had never had that. I had to be home at a certain time. I had to go to school. There was no choice. Mm -hmm. Like I was in a, a house that was structured. 
And so for 10 months, I realized that when I have consistency and discipline, that um, my grades go up, I started getting in good shape, I played basketball, like I was actually having a good time. Yeah. And so when my mom came out of uh, treatment, because my mom did prison time and then treatment, when she came to get me back, I cried because I didn't want to go back with my mom. Oh, wow. I loved her. Yeah, you know, for sure. And I got a great relationship with her today. But at the yeah. time, I was like, man, I don't, like, I'm actually thriving. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm living a good life. Yeah, this is going to take year. me backwards. It's going to take me back. Yeah. And I know where it is because we've been in this cycle since I was a kid. She'd do well for a few months. She'd get a job. We'd get some housing. She'd end up drinking or, you know, starting. it starts small. She'd drink yep. a little, smoke a little, and yep. the next thing you know, She's slamming heroin in her leg yeah. somewhere, and then our whole house falls apart, and I'm back yeah. in custody with someone else. So, yeah. um, you know, it, that was kind of the cycle until I got kicked out of the house at 17. Mm. And at 17 is the first time that I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ presented to me. So up until this point, I had gone to church once or twice with my grandparents. I think I was baptized uh, when I was eight, mm -hmm. but I didn't really understand who Jesus was. Yeah. I didn't understand the gospel. Yeah. It was all foreign to me. Yeah. He was as real to me as like uh, the Easter bunny or Santa Claus. Yep. He was a little baby in a manger. Right, 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 right. The assembly, exactly. The you know, and we talk about the nativity Jesus. Scene. That was it. Yes. <laughs> so I didn't know. I just thought people who went to church, they were some kind of way. I, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I received Jesus when I was 17. Somebody wow. broke down the gospel, uh, salvation, repentance, the penalty of sin, like all of it. And I was captivated. I was like, yo, I need to know this Jesus guy. Um, all right. I'm always fascinated by this. This, this, is, this is always so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. From 12 to 17, mm -hmm. you, you have, what, four hardcore years. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 What is it about that is right? 13, 14, 15, 16, five years. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Um, uh, math is not my thing. <laughs> Clearly, I just went to my hands to make sure I got that quality assurance right. In that five years, can you pinpoint what about the gospel message? captivated you to the point to give you because there ain't that many 17 year olds growing up in wealthy homes that go to church every weekend mm. that's ready to make that commitment their parents scoot them into youth group and you know send them on the camps christian camps and stuff but they're they still ain't ready to make a sold out commitment to jesus mm -hmm. at that asian stage so what what is it about that for you that was so arresting well it gave life purpose. Um, mm. I'd always been searching and I took a lot of drugs. I was taking ecstasy and mushrooms and LSD and popping Molly and mm -hmm. over the counter drugs as a kid. I, I had access to it. My yep. mom would hook, you know, she was my dealer for most of the, for most wow. of my life. Wow. Um, and so I had a lot of near death experiences. I had uh, always this understanding that there was a higher power. There was this creator, but nobody ever really took the time to explain and when I heard it, it just clicked. I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. This yep. is why I was made. Uh, I can understand the issue of sin and how it separates me from God. And it just, uh, it made sense. That's awesome. Yeah. But I didn't like start following Jesus at 17. Understood. You know Understood. I mean? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It made sense and I made the decision. But yep. I went back home and I still had weed under my bed. I still had a bong. I still had, you know, my life. Yeah. I didn't get into discipleship or church. Yep. And so... um, 
you know, fast forward several years, I ended up graduating high school, mm-hmm. in and out of trouble, uh, ended up having a kid at 19, mm-hmm. getting married at 19, um, still in and out of jail, struggling with imposter syndrome, struggling, and it wasn't labeled imposter syndrome back right, then. Right, right, exactly. I, you I, was just fronting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know who I was. <laughs> I didn't, you didn't know. Exactly. Am I black? Am I white? Where yeah. do I fit in? Yeah. Where, who are my people? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And so um, for years, I just... Pretended to be something that I wasn't. Yeah. Pretended, uh, really kind of sought after what the American dream is. You know, you go to work, you support your family, you get a house, you get the car, mm-hmm. and that's the American dream. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's that's what I was pursuing. But I, I knew that deep down um, I was empty because I would still get angry. I was still struggling with violence. I was still smoking weed on the low. Like, mm-hmm. I was still wrestling with all these things. Yeah. Um, I found myself in church when I was 23, about 23 years old, uh, after a six-month stint in jail. I ended up going to jail and find myself you know in in this church and in church it was one of those churches that focused on church planting so they were really militant mm-hmm. when it came to you know teaching and uh preparing people to get into ministry yeah and so we spent a couple of years there and um, i i didn't necessarily want to be in ministry but there was a strong push and a strong leading and and a calling and so um, I got the call to ministry at the end of a revival that we held. So every year we would do the seven day revival and this evangelist would come in and he'd come into the church. And at the end of each night, he would call somebody up and be like, Hey, I got a word for you. I got a word for you. And the previous year we watched it unfold. Like I watched everybody who got a word come to fruition. Wow. So yeah, I was like, okay, this is powerful. Wow. Yeah. So next year I want a word. Right. Right. So right, right. Dude came and I'm there. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to position myself <laughs> so he sees me. You know what Did I you mean? You wear a yellow jacket? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a, or, a bright orange hat? <laughs> I got the signals. I'm like, this. I, I need this word. Yeah, exactly. You know? Pick uh, me. <laughs> yeah. Every time he turned around, I'm just like right there on his shoulder. You know how people are like. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. Oh, I've that, done it. That was me. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. And um, the seventh night, the last night of revival, he had a word for me. He called me up. And uh, said something to the effect of, Andrew, you have words of gold. You've been called to ministry and you're going to speak to millions of people about Jesus. And that destroyed me because um, I was hoping for like a financial blessing. (laughs) I wasn't thinking about going to ministry. I was thinking like, you're going to meet an uncle who just passed away and left you, you know, $10 million. (laughs) Like that's the word that I was looking for. I wasn't looking to be a ministry. You know what I mean? Uh, you were trying to get that bag. I was trying to get the bag. Like, I need that fight. Like, Lord, open oh the purse God. strings of heaven. Yeah, like, that's, exactly. That's exactly. what I was looking for. It was not the word. I, like, you got the right, Andrew? You got? I don't think you got the right one. You're wow. talking about Simon's brother. This ain't me. <laughs> this ain't me. Uh, that's hilarious. A million people, too. This is like, I would say, circa 2006, 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had MySpace. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I had 13 people. One was my grandmother. Other was my aunt. So he's talking about a million people. <laughs> You're a little short of that right I'm now. I'm <laughs> a little short of that. It doesn't make sense. I don't like to talk in front of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time. And yeah. Ministry, and, and, and God bless his soul. My pastor at the time, great man, uh, but he had 10 kids. He ran a church and he also did tile full time. So he's like, they're saying, we're calling you to this. And I was like, (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. I I don't want to go into ministry. That's not what it is for me. Yeah. And so I packed up my family at that time and we left. We left the church and didn't come back to church for over a decade. Like that was, that was it. And it was to my detriment. It was to my own detriment. But, uh, 
ended up going back to school. I got a couple of college degrees, the first um, in my family to do so. Great job. Yeah, played college basketball, ended up uh, opening a gym. And the thing is, is behind the closed doors, right? I started to achieve according to what the world deemed successful. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, behind the scenes, I was still angry. I was still violent. I still hadn't healed from any of my childhood trauma. still didn't know who I was. I was abusing drugs. I was addicted to pornography, like... On the outside, it was a great Instagram picture. Nice. So this kid who came from nothing has pulled himself up from the bootstraps. Yep. He's got the wife, the kids, the house, the car, the business. He's on the Chamber of Commerce, that kind of thing. But behind closed doors, man, I was a monster. Mm -hmm. I just, I wasn't, I didn't have Jesus. Yep. I wasn't, I was, I was, a, I was uh, an imposter. Yeah. Somebody I wasn't. And so uh, you can only live that way for so long. And it imploded. And um, I ended up going to prison for 18 months. Wow. 18 months. And I lost everything. I lost my gym, my business, my family, my reputation in the community. Uh, all went down the drain. And so for 18 months, I didn't come back to God. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't one of those in prison where you, yeah. you come back. I was yeah. pissed. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. mad at God. Yeah. I was like, yo, I've done everything you've told me to do. Mm -hmm. I got the car. I got the degrees. I got mm -hmm. the house. I got the kids. I, I did all of the things. Yep that says it's going to bring me joy and peace right. and happiness. Right. And yet here I am in the place that I tried to avoid. I didn't want to go to prison because that's where my parents had been. Yep. And I d went a completely different direction than they did, yet still ended up in the same place. Mm. I was pissed. So I was like, no, miss me with the Jesus talk. Miss me with the God talk. I don't want anything to do with him. And so uh, after 18 months, I came home and um, came home divorced, no business, no nothing, uh, and ended up spending the next year trying to figure life out. And it wasn't until about a year after um, I found myself kind of dusting off my Bible. Uh, I was heading in the same direction. So I was starting to succeed again, but I was empty. Mm -hmm. So I started reading my Bible a little bit, going to church occasionally, and it all came together and put me in the position that I'm in now when uh, I posted a TikTok. And a TikTok completely changed my life. Like that was, that was it. Um, I was sharing a TikTok where I pointed at a couple of things and it said things God's carried me through and it was prison, divorce, foster care and everything else. And you know, the TikToks I'm talking about, there's like a slow song in the back. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You're just looking, you're just like smoldering and yeah. you're just pointing at stuff. <laughs> you know, that, that was me. You know? <laughs> it was cringy. It wasn't yeah. a good look. I don't know what had possessed me to do it that evening, but uh <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> Listen, light skin the, ribs. Oh, man. It worked. The light skin <laughs> ribs. <laughs> Had my necklace on, my little cross necklace. I was thirsty. It was a bad. It was, it was bad. <laughs> it's funny to look at now, but yeah. It was, the Lord used it. The, the, Lord, <laughs> the Lord used the light skinnedness. And uh, yeah, he moved I loved in that. It. Wow. So, yeah, that, that night I went to bed, I had like 200 followers. And it's not about followers, but Understood. It, it speaks to the anointing and the the favor that God has on my life. So um, I posted it the next morning. I had about 15,000 followers. So the video had gone viral. And um, 
I was going through the DMs the next day, and this is like first off, I was like, "This is crazy." I've been on TikTok for six months. Yeah, uh, I had a fitness page, so I didn't have a shirt on in ninety nine percent. I had right. zero views. Nobody was trying to see me without a shirt. <laughs> Nobody was trying to see my dog. Nobody was interested in anything. Yeah. But I share my testimony one time, yeah, and it takes off. Wow! And so I was like, "Okay, there's something behind it." I'm reading through the messages, and one guy says, "Andrew." I've been to prison, I've been divorced, and uh, I've been to foster care. He goes, last night I was going to take my life. And I saw your video of you smiling and still going forward and pointing mm. to God. And I decided not to. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit, like, fill, it wrecked me, filled my body. Mm. I started weeping, and I understood that I was made for a time such as this. Mm. And it was this revelation of like, okay, you're going to speak to millions of people. You have words of gold, and you're called to ministry this is what that word was, even though it was 15 years before. And so today, here I am, uh, millions of followers on social media, in ministry, and writing books uh, with words of gold. So it's, uh, I took the long way around, but here oh, we no, are. Oh, no, 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 no. No? Uh, this, is, this is so cinematic. I mean, this is, this is, this is a made-for-TV movie, like for real. So, so um, there was something I want to back up a little bit on. For sure. Because this is just captivating to me. That you went the opposite direction of your parents mm-hmm. and wound up in the same place. Yeah. One of the things that I've always cautioned people on that I mentor and that I disciple is that doing the opposite of what hurts you won't heal you. Wow. But how many of us think, yeah, this is the bad that happened to me. So the opposite of that must be good. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's not. No. <laughs> no. Because what you pass on the way to good is God. Hmm. Come on. And that's one oh too many. than where you should be right everybody thinks that um adam and eve lost the garden what they lost was god for the knowledge of good and evil they traded the knowledge of god For the knowledge of good. Wow. We always focus on the evil part. Right, right. But good ain't God. Right. (laughs) Come on. Good job, good house, good wife, good dog, good kids, good check. Yeah. Ain't God. (laughs) So, so many of us wind up going, they swing the pendulum. The the, the example I always use, Andrew, is when, um, you know, say you didn't grow up with with the loving father figure and so you grow up in your mind like I'm a, my my well let's not say a loving father figure um one that was emotionally absent right so no physical touch stuff like that his mentality was I'm providing therefore you're welcome <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. so you never got a hug you never came to the games or whatever so you grow up and you're thinking when I grow up I'm gonna hug my kids right right because the opposite that hurt me is gonna heal me so you hug your kids but the hug's not genuine. Mm. Wow. Because you ain't even thinking about your kid. Right. 
Right. You're thinking about your dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you look down and your kid's not even enjoying the hug because <laughs> there's a squeeze. death grip squeeze <laughs> that you're giving because it's not a genuine hug that's coming from the love you have for your son. It's actually coming for the 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 hate you have that your dad didn't do this for you. That's, that's good. So that pendulum swing, I, I've just... I. I don't think I've ever seen a more cinematic outworking of that, mm-hmm. right? You got mom jabbing needles in her leg, you, you know, and dad taking off with the rent money for an apartment and never coming back again. Yeah. And you're like, I'm doing the opposite of all of that. And you wind up in the same place. Yeah. There's so many people in that same type of situation that went the complete opposite direction Thinking that at least I'm not them, and you are just in an alternate universe. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's just sobering, bro. Yeah, that's sobering. Okay, I'm. I just needed to. I needed to work that in my out of my head because that's just yeah. That's strong. Yeah. I lived it. It was uh, it was challenging. It was challenging because, again, the world tells you, the world tells you, yeah, that if you do these things, that's going to equal, yeah, purpose, yeah. happiness, joy, yeah. success, yeah, all of these things. I didn't yeah. grow up in the church. I yeah. grew up in the world. Yep. So I'm following the instructions, this manual that has been handed to me through social media, media, entertainment, music. All of these things. I avoid the other stuff. Yep. You know, I still dabble here and there, but yeah. I'm not an addict. Yeah. I'm not addicted to drugs. Right, I don't right, right. need the drugs. Right. I can have a couple of beers after work and right. not, you know, lose my mind. Yeah. And still still ended up there. Yeah. Still ended up there. Yeah. Never healed, never did the work, never went to counseling, never talked about it. I suppressed it and masked it with achieves awards and accolades. Mm. So I, I, I pursued achievement. I pursued uh, sports and academic excellence and went that direction thinking that that is what I was looking for and completely missed. It was a different high. So different high, but a high nonetheless. It was a, You chased a different high. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Jesus. Lord have mercy. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's so good. All right, so all right, so um, all right, so you go on this journey to please tell me what what this prophetic word was again because it's just too good to me. Yeah, the words of gold, words of gold. You'll speak to millions of people. You'll speak to millions of people. You call you're called the ministry. <sighs> all right, so to elaborate on what that looks like now. You said it in a nice little. Uh, in, in a, in, you buttoned it up in a nice preacher way, right, preacher like right, way. Right. But like I want the elaboration of that. I want you to talk about talk to us about first about the um, the social media, yeah, right, and the millions of people because there are people um, that think numbers don't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, the number God, you know, God doesn't care about numbers; it's about people's hearts and da, 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 da. Right. well okay let's break that down right. let's break that down if you start a gym and only eight people sign up you ain't gonna have a gym for long no right yeah. if you open up a church and only eight people show up 
you ain't gonna have a church for long right. right it's amazing to me how we care about numbers when it comes to our check <laughs> yeah. oh yeah big time. right yeah our savings account Numbers matter then, mm -hmm. but then when it comes to people who are the greatest resource in the entire earth is human resource, that's above, that valuation is above diamonds, that valuation is above gold, that valuation is above silver, crude oil, all these things, but then we'll be like, numbers ain't everything, and just because they have a huge following, that don't mean nothing, right. that's, God is the one that gives true influence, and then it's like, you got 218 people that follow you, fam. <laughs> Stop playing. You just mad. Don't act like you wouldn't want that to be 21,800 people or 218,000 people or 2.18 million people. Right. I don't like the fact that people get salty when it ain't them right, right. that actually has the influence, For right? Sure. Yeah. I, I had, um, had uh, 32,000 people in May of 2020. Uh, 2022 that that followed my instagram account mm -hmm. and now it's over half a million wow for me to be like that don't matter that's stupid right now right. here's the thing i thought thirty-two thousand was something right for sure Same. that's a lot of people man that's a lot of people Thirty-two thousand people is a lot of people right. especially for my quirky self <laughs> like i know i'm different like i know i ain't, i am not for everybody you know what i mean so the fact that thirty-two thousand people was interested in my ministry i thought this is just amazing right we ain't got thirty-two thousand people that go to the church right. but so if they're just interested even in a piece of my content that i put out from time to time that's awesome well to be over half a mil to act like right. doesn't matter to me come on fam yeah yeah. That is God showing you that what you are doing in this season is significant and you need to know that people are watching. You need to steward it correctly. That's good. Talk to me about the numbers. Uh, so so TikTok went from where I was at to 1.3 million followers on TikTok today, <laughs> as of today. And so, you know, we, we share prayers and Bible verses and clips from my sermons and, uh, you know, just words of encouragement, yeah. you know, trying to encourage and impact people. Yep. Um, YouTube, uh, I think it's like 930,000 subscribers, almost at a million subscribers on YouTube. And uh, <laughs> we do. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. It's glory to God. too. Yeah, you know, it's I mean, beautiful. I love it because it's not something that I could do. I'm, no. I'm, I'm a 38 year old man on TikTok. Yeah, you should be dancing <laughs> and to have that kind of favor and influence. It's not because I have the latest or greatest or the best word. It's it's purely because of the grace, anointing, and favor of God. Absolutely, that's, that's it. Yeah, um, and then Instagram about 350,000 uh, followers there yeah. on Instagram as well. That's amazing. So we reach millions of people. Yeah, you do. A Absolutely, day, a day. day, every single day, every day. I was 23 years old when they said that. And I didn't know that I was going to speak to millions of people about Jesus. I didn't understand the vehicle. I didn't understand the platform. I didn't understand the timing. I'm thinking stadium. I got, that's my mind at the time, but I didn't realize what would happen in 15 years. What other point of reference did we have at the time? I mean, think about it. We had none. Right? We had, because I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'm 48 this year, mm -hmm. right? So if somebody would have told me, you're going to speak to millions of people. I'd have been like, oh, my God, I'm about to be Reinhard Bronke. <laughs> my assignment's Africa, and I'm about to be in the middle of nowhere with a million Africans that have walked 17 miles to come to a crusade with their dead baby that you oh, better raise back man. to life right now. Wow. And it did happen at Reinhard Bronke conf conferences, which is just unbelievable, right? Um, or you're going to be Billy Graham. 
Mm-hmm. Right? That's the only point of reference we had. Yeah, yeah. And I was in church. I didn't know who that was. Yeah, exactly. So, was like, so you were like, I don't, yeah. WrestleMania? <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to preach at WrestleMania <laughs> before the <laughs> main event? <laughs> before The Rock oh, fights man. The Undertaker? <laughs> Dude, that's, that's, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah, because numbers matter. Numbers matter to God because every number has a name and every name has a soul. They matter. They do. And 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 a lot of numbers means a lot of influence or else why? If the only people that followed Jesus was his disciples. We following them? No, crowds. Yeah. He feeds 5,000. Why would they even tell you? Not including women or children. They want you to know it's closer to 20. Wow. It's between 15 and 20,000 people. You just need to know this. They caught a great amount of fish this one day. The other day, they caught 153. They want you to know this for a reason. Yeah. So, so I, 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 I think the numbers matter because they do let you know how much influence has God given you to st- steward. And, and you, that needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, that's dope. All right. Apples of gold. Uh, words of gold. Words of gold. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I turned it into a proverb. Was, <laughs> apples, apples of gold, gold and pictures of silver. That sounds yeah. so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the the words of gold is I, self, I self-published a couple of devotionals in 2021, and I'm um, releasing a book. I, I signed a two-book deal with Chosen Books, and I'm releasing a, oh, nice. a book in February, and I'm working on another book that will release next year. February 2024? Uh, oh, you re- released it in February 2023? No, no. Uh, it, it, it's actually the fall of 2023, and I believe we're releasing the other one in February of 2024. That's awesome, man. I Congratulations. Believe so. I believe so. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Thank great. We, I think you. we're going to have we're gonna have uh, book babies born in the same year and month. Oh, really? Because I, too, have signed a two-book deal. Yes. And Come on now. The, the first one will be in February 2024. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Congrats, bro. And to you as well. Thank you. That's awesome. That's, that's good stuff. That is great, man. So words of gold. Words of gold. Words of gold. Words of gold. That's a beautiful way. I've never thought about words of gold being in a book, but that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That ministers to me. All right. And then uh, the ministry side. Uh, so we planted a church in Inglewood, Inglewood. That's right. In Inglewood. Yeah. And I'm not even from Inglewood. <laughs> I'm from Portland. I'm from Oregon. That's the best. Oregon. 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 <laughs> I'm from Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Wow, and, bro. Uh, yeah, I met my, my beautiful wife, Kyra, um, lived in Inglewood. She yeah. had purchased a house there. Yeah. And uh, I moved closer to, to court her and to know her better from Oregon. Wow. And we were married within, I think, eight months, nine months. Wow. Where did y'all meet? Uh, on social media. Hey! During the quarantine, during that, the pandemic. You know what? Yeah. That quarantine love is real. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. Kingdom covenants during the quarantine. Yeah, let's yeah. get it. Yeah. I love it. All right, so when did you plant the church? Uh, 2021, October of 2021, going on two years now. Wow. Yeah. This is brand new. Mm-hmm. And so this is, a, this is a hybrid church. So we started on social media. I started doing things online and it transferred and transitioned to brick and mortar. Mm. So we started doing once a month in person and then, you know, moving the rest through zoom, through Slack, through 
different online, you know, platforms. And uh, we're, we're going to two services in July a month. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a one of a kind entity. It's a, it's a church of the future, I guess, or is one way you could look at it hybrid. So yeah. um, kind of pioneered some, some different things and ways to, for people to stay connected, to, yeah. to be discipled, to stay fed, not just a, a pop-up yeah. kind of thing, but yeah, yeah, really intentional. All right. So, okay. Talk to me about that because that is innovative and groundbreaking in its approach. When you start, when you start on social media and work your way back into brick and mortar yeah reality based right mm-hmm. in real life IRL how what was your what was what were you hearing what were the downloads you were getting from heaven on how to navigate that and 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 make that happen uh, it was it was really a if you build it they will come kind of scenario it's like as you like as you step out in faith and build we've called you to Inglewood this is the place that we want you the the Inglewood needs this kind of voice because there are a lot of churches in Inglewood, but a lot of them, not all of them, because I've met some amazing pastors and churches. Yep. Uh, they're, they're old school and mm-hmm. they don't have a context that reach the youth because a lot of them are antiquated in the sense that the leaders and elders are not passing the mantle or passing the torch and are outgrowing their platforms. And as they pass, so do the churches. And so, Facts. uh, I felt that what we have being relevant in social media and uh, up to speed and having our ear, I like to say our ear to the street, knowing what this next generation is looking for, which is honesty and transparency. They're tired of doing church. They're tired of doing religion and, and you know, what, what it looks like. They're tired of fake appearances and the hypocrisy. So we felt called to get out there and get real and make it happen. Dude, you said a mouthful. Honestly, you 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 talk in these very beautiful sound bites, <laughs> <laughs> and then you leave me here pondering. <laughs> what did that look like? Right. So so um, first, let me say, um, there's such a tension between um, baby boomers mm-hmm. and x millennials and z's i don't even know how we all got lumped together but you know what i mean it's there's a there's a real dynamic shift in thought between boomers and then x Mm -hmm. subsequent millennials and z's and now alphas are already starting to pop up on the radar that's what's after z's is alphas Why do you think it's so hard for lead pastors who have done great things over a long period of time to transition? From from what I have learned, again, my context is short. Understood. I, I'm so unchurched when it comes to what things are supposed to be or how they look. But from my, what I've seen is that they find their identity in that position. Is they allow themselves to be defined by their title or their role. 
And so, and again, this I'm not taking shots. I want to be very, I'm the new kid on the block. I'm going to get canceled before I even get a full church. They're going to be like coming after me. But it just seems as if, because I've been, I've been going to conferences and sitting in on churches and uh, it's this, there's a, an exclusivity. There's this country club mentality that I've been kind of wrestling with. And what I see is that a lot of the leaders get their identity, their value and worth from their position. <laughs> Dude said, I'm the new kid on the block. I haven't been here. I ain't been here long. I haven't been here long. And I already can tell you what the problem is. <laughs> I've been here a long time, sir. Yeah. And I couldn't have come up with a better answer myself. Wow. Um, I refer to it as the Leno complex. Like Jay Leno? Mm -hmm. Okay. I refer to it as the Leno complex. It's time for you to go. You don't agree. You reluctantly leave. Then you come back and screw up Conan's life. <laughs> and cast him to TBS. Mm. <laughs> all, be hell. All, <laughs> <laughs> all because your greedy behind couldn't leave and stay gone. Imagine Jesus ascending to heaven. And right when Peter's about to preach his first sermon, he descends. Mm. Who the hell is going to listen to Peter? Wow. Say that. Jesus leaves before Peter's trial sermon. He doesn't even stick around to see if his sermon's going to suck or not. <laughs> he leaves before he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't even check if he got completely filled up to F or not. <laughs> Your boy just dips. This is a guy that has denied you, cut off a man's ear, completely acted like a madman <laughs> yeah. when pressed about his affiliation with you. He went back to his old job. After your death, you had to cook the man breakfast and he <laughs> swam back to shore. <laughs> and you ascend up to heaven on a cloud without doing a quality assurance check on this dude. Why? It is finished. Mm. Not I am. It. Jesus never said, I am finished. For if he did, the whole world would have collapsed upon itself and folded up time like a napkin. <laughs> if the I am says, finished, it is finished. The sun refuses to sign. The moon refuses to reflect its light. The stars all go dim. The darkness of black folds into nothingness. Because he says, it's finished. Because everything's upheld by the power of his word. So he doesn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. But so many of these guys, based on what you just said, Andrew, so many of these guys because, and the reason why I can say this with such boldness is because I already transitioned to church. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So I ain't talking from no theoretical experience as some young buck that, no, I, already, I did it already. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, 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 these, to, to your point, they put their identity in it. 
And the moment it ceases to be his kingdom and because your and becomes your cancel, your your castle, you would defend it at all costs. Wow. Because that's what a castle is. Mm-hmm. It's the last fortified stronghold of a kingdom. Here's the only issue. God's kingdom has no castles. It has no castles. Because who's going to advance on it? Wow. Only kingdom in the universe that has a house with so many rooms that he goes to make a room for you. That's how big that house is. But there's no castle. Because what does heaven need with a fortified stronghold when there's no one to advance on it? Wow. (laughs) The last person that even thought a thought slammed on the ground. (laughs) Come on. And it had to lick dirt, right? <laughs> Literally had to lick dirt. So, so that is a. Um, I think it's. I think it's appropriate that the Lord would send the young man from Portland to the wood. Not, not as an indictment on anybody else, right. but just to say, y'all can keep doing what you're doing, but I'm gonna bring somebody here. Who's just going to do what I say. It's going to look completely different. Than what y'all have been doing for 35 years. And won't even come back to me for an update on. Wow. Because you're afraid the update doesn't include you. I might have to relocate. (laughs) (laughs) Is there an Inglewood, Florida? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that's why I was called because my lord. There's an Inglewood in Denver, but you don't want to live there. It starts with an E, not an I. Okay, please stay where you are. I'm not going anywhere. It is. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> no, man, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to um, uh, stir up no mess. I, I, but we got to call a spade a spade. And I see this not just in Inglewood. I see it's this not, in, ch- in church in general. Oh my god! In general, in general, man, yeah. in the yeah. in the body of Christ at large. I think there's some guys, God told them, your season's up. Mm-hmm. But because they don't know where they're going to sit next, that's why they're still stalling. Wow. I don't know where I'm going to sit. Um, I might need to. I know this guy has the anointing, but he ain't like me. So I'm going to make sure I raise somebody that kind of looks like me talk about it yeah and you start playing you start getting in god's way and god's like bro i don't need your help it's my church i've never needed your help and remember this is his church not a smoothie creek not a smoothie king franchise right it's not yours to do with it as you will it's his so anyway okay so you're about to go to two services. About to go to two services. <laughs> <laughs> How does that feel for you going from one to two? Uh, ready. I, I felt like I've been ready for a while. Okay. Uh, so, so we do something called coffee and prayer, and mm-hmm. we do that uh, on, on live every morning. And we did that for 372 days in a row, like wow. in a row. Um, wow. And so we break down, I break down one chapter of the New Testament, one chapter of the Old Testament. 
And I do that uh, historically, biblically, cultural context as well as food for thought. And then I share my own personal experience and it's about an hour long. So I've been preaching a sermon a day, at least once a day for over a year. Um, A lot of material. uh, It's all, it's, it's been great. It's been a a great experience. And so, um, yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I, I do feel I'm ready. And so I got the green light from God to go for it, to move to two. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. Let me tell y'all something. A sermon a day for 372 days is enough sermons to preach for the rest of your life. I promise you that. If God never said nothing new to you, mm-hmm. you got enough sermons for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. I'm talking about with the anointing of God's Holy Spirit and the oil dripping off of it and the whole nine fresh bread. 372 days in a row. That was preparation. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. We went to Israel after the 372, did a a 10-day trip in Israel. And when I came back, I got instruction to rest. And so rested for 14 days and then went to a Monday through Friday uh, rhythm. And then whenever I travel, I just like this morning, we didn't have it. Uh, but so, so now I'm still going, we're going on year two, October 23rd will be two years of this consecutive Bible study. The goal, the vision is to have the Bible, um, break, broke down chapter by chapter contextually in chronological order and have a library for if anybody wants to start, they have some historical, biblical, cultural context, as well as some of my personal commentary that is, um, unfiltered. (laughs) So, so man, the digital space to me is the new commentary. Yeah. When I gave my life to Jesus in 1996, um, which predates Logos, just want everybody to know that. Uh, back then it was PC Study Bible. My dad had PC Study Bible. I think he loaded it up on like 15 floppy disk or something. Like that. <laughs> Um, it's no cap either. I think that's exactly how he got it on the computer. Uh, but I had a Strong's Concordance and a Matthew Henry commentary. Wow. And that's how I cut my teeth. I had a a Thompson chain reference, King James version of the Bible. And that's how, that's how I got started. Wow. And, um, I really do feel like now this season of my life that all of these episodes are meant to become a little database mm-hmm. that somebody can go back to and go, how do I actually navigate life as a believer? Yeah. I heard the sermon. I took the notes. But it's Tuesday, and I want to stab somebody. Yeah. Let me go down to the basement, figure out how to navigate life. That's what I feel like I'm here for. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm here to mentor somebody who can't get mentored mm-hmm. because they're in a house with Jay Leno. Wow. And Jay Leno refuses to share how he writes his comedy bits. Hmm. He's like, go learn like I did. Which sucks. I'm trying to save you some time, fam. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Right? I'm trying, yeah. to, I'm trying to save some people some time. Yeah. I don't want nobody to go through what I went through. Never. 
there's a 10 year gap between you and I. If I can give you something that saves you 10 years, I'm opening up the vault. I'm backing up the truck. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why would you hold that? Like, nah, man. We trying to we trying to let the next generation get the cheat codes. Exactly. Right? I want up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Come on. When I play Contra. That's right. You want me to have three lives and go through all them aliens? <laughs> I need unlimited lives, fam. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> don't nobody want to go through this <laughs> with three lives? Oh man! I need the cheat code. So, man, no, that's 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 dope. All right, so let's catch a wave. Let's do it. What are you currently musing, using, thinking about? Dreaming about that you want to talk about. Oh man, I think the the thing that I'm the season of life that I'm in right now is is actually aging. It's just aging, um, interesting, gracefully, interesting, and and uh, taking care of my health. I didn't take care of my health as a, a young man. Interesting. So I've been to the, I've been going. These last couple of months, I've been to the doctors several times. And as a, as a young man, that was something that I was opposed to. I didn't like yeah. to go to the doctors. I didn't like to, to go get checked up because yeah. anytime I feel like anybody who went to the doctors, they always came back with bad news. Mm. And so I would avoid going to the doctors because first off, it's expensive. Yep. And then number two is like, I don't want to get this bad news or a report that there's something going on. And so as I'm getting older in, in my life, um, I'm just kind of understanding uh, the toll that everything that I did took on my body, and then really thankful that um, that, that I'm, I'm I'm healthy. Yeah, I'm, I'm aging gracefully. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm reminded too on a regular basis, getting up after performing certain tasks, um, <laughs> like playing basketball. I play basketball a lot, and uh, on the court, I feel great. I feel amazing. I feel, you know, my shots there. I still got a little bit of, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's the next day when I wake up and I get up and I'm just like, I don't got a whole lot of uh, the next day when I could have played back to back days, you know, 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So that's what I've been musing. That's what I've been contemplating. Yeah. Um, I want to do this. Yeah. For a long time. Absolutely. And I understand, I'm starting to understand the toll that it takes on your body. Yeah. Ministry. Yeah. Oh my I didn't goodness. realize and so that's what I body been, and mind, body and mind, it really relationships, yes. emotional, physical, Absolutely. like all of these things Absolutely. That, that come into play. Yeah. So, so health has been on my mind yeah. and how to uh, bulletproof myself and to really take care of myself. All right. So let's talk about that then, because, um, you know, when I think health in what we do, mm -hmm. it is mind, body and soul, literally. Right. Like the physical aspect has to be there. Um, I, I can literally pull up a YouTube clip right now of a pastor dying while preaching. Wow. I believe it. While preaching, fam, he's making his point. He's doing this sermon illustration. He sits down. There's a chair that he's using as part of the illustration and he's preaching and he sits down in the chair. Wow. He dies in the chair and slides out of it and plops on the floor gone yeah and you're like oh he didn't know <laughs> right no one knew yeah. 
um, the amount of obesity that's in the pulpit that we get that that we just God bless away. We throw Jesus glitter on it. Mm-hmm. That person's morbidly obese. Yeah, this is not good for you. It's not, and nobody loves you enough to say, "Can we do something about this?" Right. It's like this is one of the only pla- church is one of the only places that we will let. Like, if you was a linebacker, you, you know, uh, not a linebacker. If you if you played offensive line or defensive line, they wouldn't let you be over three hundred thirty pounds. Yeah. But if all you're doing is standing up preaching for fifty minutes, you should not weigh three hundred thirty seven pounds. Shows a lack of self control and discipline, which are fruits of the spirit. Um, it's disobedience and it's sin that we don't talk about because it's not, you know, we're, we're quick to throw pastors under the bus. And this is something. So when I started my business, the business I started was a gym. I opened Correct. a gym. So yep. I've, I've been in the health and fitness industry. So these are things that I've pondered and, and look at. I've been, I've been yelled at for my physical appearance on social media uh, you got tattoos erase the tattoos the bible says you shouldn't get the tattoos the leviticus uh deal or uh, can, can we can we slow down can, <laughs> yeah. we, go, can we go slow Please. you want me to slow it down no no no. i want to go slow let's go slow let's i want to go, go slow. slow because i want to go against these stone throwing comment section people who are christians christians thank you for using the quotations <laughs> yeah. because I, I have them in air quotes for this reason Leviticus does say that. Mm-hmm. You're a Gentile. Correct. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have the Mickey Ficky Bible in context. <laughs> You're reading something Leviticus. It clearly says that. Yeah. I'm a Gentile. Right. That's not the four things that the Jerusalem Council came out with and said was something that we needed to be dealing with. Exactly. And keep that same energy with shaving the sides of your beards or eating shrimp or any of the other things that Leviticus tells us to do. Keep the same energy. Keep the same energy in Leviticus 19. Right. Stop molesting your stepdaughter. Ooh. Okay, continue. So, on that note, um, (laughs) I will have people come at me screaming that my body's a temple how dare you mark the temple of the Lord with all of this graffiti, but we'll be the same people. Looking like a roly-poly. Or a chewed piece of bubble gum. (laughs) Don't take care of themselves. Uh, They're screaming at me about my temple when their temple's out of order. And um, it's something that we allow. I go to church events. I'll try not to go too fast. I'll slow it down a little bit. We go to these church events and it's, it's pizza and donuts and soda, and it's like it's because it's cheap or it's financially uh, in the budget. We are constantly eating and surrounding everything. Everything's around food, right? Somebody dies, you eat. Somebody gets married, you eat. You have a birthday, you eat. Uh, you know, all of these events are around food, and they're not healthy food. Prayer so breakfast. Prayer breakfast. Just donuts and croissants and pancakes and, and French pancakes toast, waffles and sausage and maple bacon, <laughs> maple bacon bars <laughs> like that pig yeah. needed to be drizzled with maple. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? Oh man, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. It's and again, it's a lack of self control, it's a lack of discipline. And uh, it is not a fruit of the spirit. No, it's not. Gluttony. Absolutely correct. So, um, 
um, let me call myself out uh, last year, uh, 2022, transition year, mm-hmm. right? Obedient to make the transition, but dang, that was an emotional roller coaster. So between October specifically, I probably could say August, but really I noticed it in October. I noticed it and I d- didn't do anything about it. I was comfort eating. Mm-hmm. I was grieving. Yeah. And so I was comfort eating. And dude, my comfort eating was, when I tell you it was ratchet, mm. oh, it was so ratchet. It was Popeye chicken sandwiches Oof. with a side of mac and cheese Come on. and the apple fritter. Cause they they do there's the old like the the old school way McDonald's used to do them before they went to them stupid baked mm-hmm. apple yeah. pies. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the bubbling fried pies. Yeah, and then I'd feel guilty. I gotta stop eating Popeyes. <laughs> this is bad of me. Spiky spicy chicken sandwich, mm. waffle fries, mm. strawberry shake, Chick Fil A. Cause oh. the Lord's there. <laughs> and then I go. This is wrong. <laughs> can't keep doing this turkey burger fries strawberry shake from Muya burger <laughs> god i have to stop this this is wrong bj's deep dip deep dish pizza <laughs> five cheeses Oh okay, and a snooky pazuki, whatever the dumb Oof. cookie is at the end that they call it. Pazuki. Pazuki. <laughs> what did I say? Snooky? <laughs> Isn't she from Jersey? <laughs> sure. I'm telling you right now, I did not eat Snooky. Just want everybody to know <laughs> what I didn't do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to tell y'all what I didn't do. <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> so I went to my doctor. My cholesterol was 300. Mm. Wow. This frame would never tell you that. Right. But that checkup did. Mm-hmm. And he's like, bruh. Now, I knew I was grief feeding the whole nine, da 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 da. Yeah. But I went to the doctor, and the Holy Spirit was like, stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. I understand you were grieving. And now, stop. Like, repent, change your mind. You can't do this. And so I stopped. You don't have to, it doesn't have to, in the same way with certain secret sins, right? Because we're quick to call out what we can see yes. and won't deal with what we can't see. That's why I want to shine the light on myself. Right. This poker tube, this body right here, would never tell you I had cholesterol that was out of whack and that it was putting a stress on my heart. But when I went to the doctor, that physical told me that. And I can't leave myself ignorant, Mm -hmm. blissfully ignorant to, I don't want no bad news. No, no, no. I have to know the state of my flocks. That's what Proverbs says. That's just not your accounts and your money and da-da-da. That's your your body. That is this temple. But I'm, I'm so grateful you brought it up because there is a hypocrisy. Yeah. When it comes to this. It's unbelievable. And let me, let, me, let me tell you how it, it has played out because I'm a lifer when it comes to youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people, uh, how many teenagers are technical virgins. Oh. Haven't had intercourse. Mm-hmm. Hymen's not broken. 
Penis is never penetrated. That mouth ain't a virgin. Their hands ain't virgins. Their anus isn't a virgin. But we've done so much hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between that and your fat yeah. in the pulpit? Making jokes about it every Sunday. Wow. With labored breathing and can barely finish your sermon. Wow. But because he's faithful to his wife, he's he doesn't have an area to work on? Come on. What example are you setting? Right. <laughs> right. So Wow. I'm just yeah, and it's not to say that we're not flawed or we're not human. Mm-mm. That's that's the beauty of it. Like we we are, but it's like having a knowledge of self and having knowing the right from wrong and doing something about it, being proactive in your healing and your growth is of the most importance. Absolutely, and then correct. the transparency aspect. Absolutely correct. Hey, this is some this is an area that I struggle with. This that's is something right. that I'm wrestling with. Yes, and let me tell you and let me share. We don't want that hypocrisy. That's exactly right. A lot of kids we see are leaving the church because they went to church with their parents and they could see what was happening behind closed doors at home. And then they show up and they put the smile on and how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored and everything's good. And you know, we're good. And then you get in the car and they're fighting about where they're going to go to lunch before they even leave the parking That's lot. Right. Fighting about fighting it. about it, arguing about things. And so people, these, this youth that we're talking about, they are witnessing this hypocrisy in the church and they no longer want to be a part of that. That's right. They're running from it. They're not running from God. They're running from the institution and the building that we call church. They're hungry for God. Starving. All right, so so I, I never made this correlation until you just said, I don't know what, I don't, thank you. Just thank you for what you said because I've made this statement when I talk to leaders all the time in organizations, I've never correlated it to God and the church. But what I tell leaders all the time is, uh, people don't quit their jobs. They quit the people they work for. Mm, that's good. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah. You got a good paying job, but it became so untenable you had to leave. You're not actually leaving the paycheck. You leaving Gary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gary's on my nerves. Right? Don't nobody want to work for Gary no more. Susan <laughs> is pissing me off. I'm not quitting this job. I'm quitting Susan. Come on. You who lead pastor, they're not quitting God, they're quitting you. Wow. That's who they're quitting. They're not, they, they, they didn't give up on God, they gave up on you. They gave up on your misrepresentation of God. They gave up on your 13 rules over God's rules. It's hard enough to just do what he says in the word. And now you're about to add 13 more things on top of it that are neither literally here nor there. Got the whole church divided, almost male and female. Wow. And they still finding a way to have sex and have affairs. Maybe because your rules don't work. Ask the Catholic church. Hmm. We won't let them marry. So they messing with boys. Exactly. We won't let them marry, so they're messing with the nuns. The nuns messing with each other. <laughs> the nuns turning the choir boys. What? Why? Because this ain't even something we. 
it's hard enough to just do what's there. Yeah. And now we got to wear white on the first Sunday. Damn. I'm tired already. <laughs> so, bro, I'm just I like I don't it's exhausting to to go through those hula hoops and people just want the real. Yeah. I love the fact that Oh, dude, I love the fact that the Lord was like, do social media first and then back that way, back oh. that thing up into a church. Yeah. That was brilliant. <laughs> that was actually brilliant. Yeah. That's actually brilliant. Well, it breaks the norm of what everybody expects. It hasn't been well received either from a lot of the religious, a lot of other churches. Uh, and I'm not super concerned or overly concerned with that. Uh, it was my, it was a call that God gave me that I'm certain of, but, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, it hasn't been well received and it is most, uh, definitely ruffled feathers. It's completely unorthodox. It doesn't, it goes against the grain. It doesn't fit in the mold. So, you know, I was just reading on the way over here. Um, I wasn't commissioned by man. So nobody, uh -huh. nobody called me or saw the anointing in me or, recognized my talent or ability to preach or to minister or to share the gospel and put me in a position. It was me being obedient and listening to the voice of God, following direction, following instruction, him paving the way, doing all of these things. And uh, just with an attitude of like, yes, Lord, send me. And here we are in this place, continuing to grow and make an impact. And I'm not anti-church. I'm just uh, anti-institution of, of, of what it has become. Me too. We have something in common, dear brother. Woommates. We are woommates. <laughs> All right, so I got to read this verse. This is, this is Mark. This is Mark chapter number nine. This is Mark chapter number nine. This is John the Beloved. Right, you don't. Okay, you don't expect this from John. You, you expect this from Peter, maybe Thomas. You don't expect this from John. John said to Jesus, "Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group." Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. Do you know how many people out here being John right now? Dear Jesus, I know you're in heaven on the right side of the Father, daily making intercession to us for us until you come back again in your eternal glory, riding on a swift horse with a sword in a hand and letters written on your thigh. But until then, I made a new a YouTube reaction video because there was that person out here that was doing something in your name, but he wasn't a part of our group. <laughs> John said to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Can we slow down John's statement? Real quick. Come on. We saw somebody cast out. 
demons in your name. <laughs> John, do you hear you? <laughs> he didn't say, Master, we saw somebody trying to cast out demons, but it was horribly unsuccessful. I was so embarrassed for him that I told him to stop. This dude successfully casting out demons during Jesus's earthly ministry. And he ain't even with Jesus. And demons are spilling out of the dude. But he wasn't in our, he wasn't with us. So he can't be right. He didn't come from our denomination. He can't be right. He didn't graduate from our theological institution. He can't be right. He did not ascend from our seminary. He cannot be right. If he's not against us, he's for us. Why don't you shut up? Everybody ain't going to be with you. Who the hell told you you had a lock on Christianity? I love Assemblies of God. Y'all ain't got it. Don't think you the, You ain't it. <laughs> I'm fifth generation Church of God in Christ. You ain't it. PAW, y'all ain't it. UPC, y'all ain't it. Y'all got a part of it. Because you're a part of the body. The fingers ain't the toes. The toes ain't the fingers. The arms ain't the legs. The legs ain't the arms. The eyes are not the nose. The nose ain't the mouth. The mouth ain't the ears. The ears ain't the head. Everything we're talking about in the body of Christ is from the neck down. There is only one head, and that's Christ and him crucified. Point blank, period. Come on. We are a neck down ministry. And y'all out here arguing over armpits and who's going to be the <laughs> doggone elbow. Man, please. We got to stop that mess. That's stupidness. Andrew ain't going to say it. He nice. <laughs> He's giving up his gangster ways. But I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Y'all come up on Andrew, you're going to come up on me. Mm -hmm. hey, you, you, ain't nobody got no lock. You got a piece of the revelation. Yay, you. You are not one of the original apostles. Number one. Number two, you're a Gentile. Number three, this book wasn't written to you. You got engrafted in. Stop playing. Come on. What are we over here arguing about? We're the ones that got engrafted into the tree and we arguing like we the stump? <laughs> we walking around like we the root of Jesse. <laughs> what, the, what are we doing? Oh my goodness. Oh Jesus. Lord have mercy. Got my blood pressure up. Woo. <laughs> We gotta. We just gotta let people do what they've been called to do. Yeah. You've been given a unique assignment. Yeah. You gotta do it, and we gotta. We gotta get behind that. We gotta support that. Right. The basement is a unique assignment. Yeah. We gotta do what he told us to do. It's not what he told everybody else to do. I know that somebody else has been t called to do a podcast. It just ain't this one, hmm. and ours ain't the next one.
But we got to stop making people feel like if you don't do it with us, you're you're not from us. Right. We are we are cannibalizing. I've never seen a body with no head bite it, bite at itself so much. That's true. Dang. Hmm. Yeah. I've been in I've been in ministry for a very short amount of time. And that's that's the observation. That's what I see. That's so unfortunate, bro. It's uh it, it, it was definitely jading and disheartening coming into it because like I said, Sharon, in my story, I've looked for belonging and for acceptance and I've looked for validation and even just like I just wanted to be a part of something greater than myself. Yeah. And I thought that that would be found in Christ, yep. right? The body of Christ. Like <laughs> we're coming together. We have this shared mission and vision to save the lost and to preach the gospel around the world. And yeah. I came in just fired up. Like, yeah. you know, I'm here. Like I'm excited yeah. to meet all these people. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm joining uh, an army. I'm joining an army. And we have a common enemy. A common enemy. And it's not me. I'm not the enemy. I'm not here to take your shine. I'm not here to take your people. I'm here to support. How can I serve you? How can I be a part of this? And it was uh, the first the first year and a half was extremely disheartening. And really the reason why I reached out to you in the first place is looking for people, womb mates, people yeah. who understand the assignment, who yeah. understand the anointing, the desire to just serve. It's not yeah. competition. I just want to no. run and find people to run with yeah. who, who are there for me and that's not what I found in the yeah. body. Yeah. I didn't find that. I found the cannibalistic Christian mentality. I found the, uh, the, the just the division, just yeah. the division. I, I, I refer to it. Um, I, I do a, a teaching for leaders called um, kingdom mentality versus castle mentality. Mm. And a kingdom mentality is because the, the kingdom of heaven is the only kingdom worth colonizing. Dutch ain't it, Spain ain't it, <laughs> right. Portugal, Portugal ain't it, England ain't it, Scotland ain't it, America ain't it, right? Yeah. The only kingdom that's ever been in the known universe worth colonization is heaven. It's the only country worth colonizing. And here's why. Because when Jesus came to earth, his whole mindset was colonization, but it wasn't of land. It was of hearts. Hmm. This is what disappointed Judas was. I thought we were going to overthrow Rome. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not coming after the government's on my shoulders. Did you read Isaiah? Like <laughs> right. they're renting it. I own it. Have fun. I'll be back. <laughs> right. After I pay full price for this. But what's the mentality? The mentality is I can colonize your heart. There's no other kingdom that can colonize. You can take land. You can conquer other people. But you can't colonize. I'm the only one that can colonize hearts. That's what, that, that's what the kingdom of heaven, that's the f sole focus, is we're, we're going we're gonna to colonize these hearts. When the, when the perspective shifts to castle mentality, Castle mentality says, I must now defend wow. what I believe is mine. Mm -hmm. And I want to colonize people 
be with what I am, what we are, the revelation we have. So it does not breed for the succession of three, four, five generations where see how this thing kept developing through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Joseph and then Israel and then Moses and then Joshua. It doesn't get to do that in a castle. In a castle, it is you will be me. You must be me. I'm making many me's. I'm colonizing you to be me. Oh, you want to go do a church? It must be named this church. Yeah. Or it must be brought to you by this church. Because I'm not colonizing the kingdom. I'm colonizing me. I want me and you. Oh, well, pastor, I feel like God's called. Oh, I, oh mm, mm. some of y'all about to have a problem with your church in five. Four, three, two, one. He covered his. It was so funny. I don't want to hear. Pastor, you know, I feel like God's calling me. You know, I've been under your ministry for like 10 years and God's spoken so much. And I feel like God's calling my wife and I to go plant. And yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. I feel the same way. Um. Yeah, I, I'll handle it for you. Um, but you know what? How about I just make you a campus pastor? Mm-hmm. In a castle, they don't let you go take more territory for the kingdom. They just add an additional room to the castle. Wow. You don't have to leave. I'll just make more room here. Or... There's a no compete clause. Mm. Not within a 50 mile radius because, you know, we don't want the saints to like have to choose. And so actually not in this same state. If God's called you, then it should work anywhere. Right. So go to Boise. I'll let you go to Boise. <laughs> wow. We messing people up, man. Yeah. And obviously we know that's not the whole church, but ooh, child, them castles is loud. Because them peop- them kingdom people, they just so happy. They're like, what, what? Can we help? <laughs> What's the name of the church? Can we put the link up? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? There's, there's just camaraderie and brotherhood and sisterhood and it's all beautiful. But these doggone castles? Yeah. They walking around like little mob bosses. I've seen gang leaders with less flair. <laughs> like bona fide, like killers, fam. I, they've had less flair than some of these, less flair than some of these lead pastors walking around. They right. acting like they made men. Right, right, untouchable. Untouchable. <laughs> like, 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 they, like they piano choked a whole, <laughs> a whole cell block by themselves. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to pay people off to get into rooms. You got to pay dues. You, I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, disheartening. It is disheartening, fam. Yeah. Especially for somebody that just got here. Right. The worst thing you can do, friendly fire is a real thing in in uh, our armed forces. 
Mm-hmm. And it's always a devastating thing, right? You, you don't expect your child to come back in a casket because of friendly fire. Right. Because somebody got jittery mm-hmm. and didn't clear a room and turned around and shot their own. Or we're out on the battlefield and you didn't clear the space that you had to shoot and you wound up hitting somebody in the back of the head. And your per your your son or daughter actually never saw active duty. Wow. They got shot in practice. Mm. That's what we're doing. Right. We out here shooting our own people. We didn't even get to fight the enemy. We didn't get to take no crown for Jesus because we out here still fighting the other pastor. I heard you was at his church. (laughs) So-and-so told me you went over there to their conference. But I didn't see you at ours. My dad was in the hospital for six weeks. Yeah, but, I, you know, I thought you were loyal child please i can talk about this all day i got scenarios for this all day. <laughs> and i don't want to belabor the point but i'm glad we're talking about it because there are thousands of people that listen to the basement that either came out of this mm-hmm. or are going through it right now yeah and it can feel like they're trapped yeah it can actually feel like they're trapped <sighs> so let's talk about roommates yeah let's <laughs> Let's pivot from let's let's pivot from this and talk about roommates because in spite of all that, yes, you have now found your tribe. Correct. What does that feel like? What does that look like for you? And how has that helped you in this season? Man, it, it feels great. It feels amazing to have support, encouragement, yep. and really just knowing that you're not alone. Yeah, knowing that you have other people who understand they see they're visionaries they're they're seeing things outside of the box um not knowing how things have been done and stepping into this place or space just knowing that you have the support of people who are well known well liked or even if they're not well known or well liked the yeah. fact that you have somebody to, to support you and to encourage you and to champion you on with it out without it being transactional right right what i what i found too is in ministry is a lot of people they they want your influence but they don't want your voice and so to have somebody who just wants to hear your voice without the transaction uh, is, is really nice. Yeah, man. It feels genuine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, man. The, the, um, uh, the transaction, is, it leaves you so empty. Yeah. Right? Like, like, you can call me for anything or nothing at all. Right. That's the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, it does, it's not like... Hey, if you ever got a ministry question, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or or or, or break glass in case of emergency, mm. like we need true brothers and sisters. Where it's like, yo, you see, the, the Lakers got swept. <laughs> I'm heartbroken. Yeah, I'm. That was devastating, mm. right? Vibe check, Inglewood. How are my people doing in Inglewood? <laughs> Is anybody in the streets just crying today with a LeBron jersey on or a Magic Johnson jersey trying to get back to the old days? Oh. Like, like, true relationship means that we can talk about anything or nothing at all. Transaction means that I owe you one mm-hmm. or you owe me one. Yeah. And that's not, 
That's not covenant. No. It's not covenant. We need we need we need friendships in the body of Christ that take this are not just good are not just there in the good times. Mm-hmm. But in the bad. If you lose it all, are we still friends? Right. If I lose it all, are we still friends? If you gain it all, are we still friends? If I gain it all, we are we still friends? Uh, Mike Todd and I talked about this uh, several episodes ago. Um, but Mike Todd has passed every metric um, that I that I ever achieved in ministry. In 27 years, I think he was able to. I think he had passed all my stuff in 27 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been. But I've been his mentor for over like a decade and a half, close to a decade and a half, right? I'm not Simon Cowell. (laughs) I'm not responsible for the success of his ministry. God is. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for him going home to his wife and washing those dishes and helping change the diapers on them four babies he gave Natalie. <laughs> That's what I'm there for. I help people not be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help you get nothing. I can keep I can help you not lose it. Yeah. That's what I'm good at. I'm helping I'm good at helping people not be dumb. Cuz I've already been dumb. Mm-hmm. But I was dumb in the dark. Right. That's good. I didn't have to go through no national scandal. Everything I went through was done in my 20s. And I learned my lesson and we kept it moving. Right. right? So, so I want to pass that on to the next generation. I want to pass that on to anybody that, that wants to hear it. But that comes through friendship. Yeah. That won't come through a transaction. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mike, can you get me into the conference you're going to? I never met that guy. Mm-hmm. Make sure you tell him I'm your mentor. <sighs> That's creepy. <laughs> That's creepy. Bro. That's creepy, fam. That's just very, very creepy. We got to have people that feel safe enough to say, I can just be me. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much influence. You don't have to squint your eyes and be like, I wonder if he wants something. Mm. Right? Yeah. No, he don't want nothing. <laughs> have, you, have you gone through this? Have you been in the green room? I just call it the green room, but it can be anywhere, right? But have you been in the, the, the green room uh, uh, scenario episode where, like you engage with somebody, they're kind of distant, and um, like ten minutes later, they warm up to you, hmm. and in those ten minutes, they went to go check your social media, <laughs> your, social me- your social media following, and they're like, "This person's worthy of my attention now." Has that happened to you? It happens not just in green rooms, but a lot of places. A it, lot of places. Isn't it creepy? It yeah, it's it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah. So- yeah, they'll follow you real quick, or they'll they'll be like, "Hey, we should really connect. We should change. We should exchange information." You know? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we should definitely exchange information. Isn't we need that, to connect. Get coffee. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. Um, it's cheap. It feels cheap. It is cheap. <laughs> it feels cheap. Because <laughs> I just want friends. That's I it, mean, bro. most of the time, a lot of people don't. I, I don't put my platforms or followings and stuff like that out there. I'm not yeah. wearing it around like a badge of honor. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not ashamed of it by yeah, any means, absolutely. but I'm looking for genuine relationships, yeah. friendships, connections, yeah. and hoping that, you know, we could, we could, you know, meet on some kind of level yeah. and, and 
down the road if they find out that's awesome that's yeah. cool but yeah you could tell you can see that switch go off when they've they've, they've peeped you real quick bro that's i just got there in that i just got there in the last year and it's wild yeah. how their eyes light up and you're like yeah. <laughs> and i'm an introvert too so it's just like it's just really really creepy yeah. to see how they how they respond but i i think it speaks to an insecurity in them mm-hmm. oh yeah that yeah. they feel like something within something about this person can validate something something i think i'm lacking mm-hmm. which is unfortunate but but very very true yeah and they think that you might be the vehicle to be seen with somebody who's seen or known is they're trying to get that picture or that tag they're trying to get you know they're trying to position themselves yeah i see it all the time yeah yeah it's, it's not a it's not a good look fam hmm. it's just not a good look i don't i i the, the reason why i think it's important that we're having this conversation because yeah. i want a 25 year old who's like really anointed like call it he's you mm-hmm. right in your 20s right there is there there is a ministry calling him or her they're gonna they're gonna speak to millions of people mm-hmm. he or she is and they might write some books but they're 25 mm-hmm. and they might be a decade away from the manifestation of that and I, I just hope some of this conversation, if not all of it, is just a roadmap for them to be like, I need to watch out for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I can literally step into ministry and be disappointed and have to do it anyway. Mm. Yeah. Because it didn't make you quit. No, no. It just made you sad. Super sad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and opened my eyes to the fact that uh, it wasn't a conference call. It was between me and God. It was my call. And that he was going to pave the way and make the way. If he called me to it, he's going to bring me through it. Doesn't matter who co-signs it or who writes it off or who, you know, shares that. Like it doesn't. None of that matters. He's going to make a way, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I thought. I thought there was going to be a lot of a lot more collaboration. I thought there was going to be, you know, um, just a lot more locking arms. And and I believe that there will be down the road, but. It's been a lonely road. It's been a lonely path getting to this place. Yeah. And uh, but now I'm seeing doors open and I'm seeing collaborations and roommates are popping up and popping out. And yeah. it's like, okay, whew, he didn't call me here and leave me alone. No. It's just a season of obscurity, almost like a wilderness. Yeah. You know, are you gonna quit yeah. when you're discouraged and things don't look the way that you expected? Yeah. So <sighs> man, this thing is blessing my whole life. My heart is full on this. Any other waves you want to surf? Hmm. We talked a little bit about health. <laughs> uh, we talked and somehow got way away from that, but it was good. It was good. Uh, I think we've we've touched on it. Church hurt. Um, you know, I sat. I'll share this part. Is I sat in a seat of judgment when uh before i got the call to plant a church so i was sitting at a church and i won't even mention it. i think it's an amazing church but i was sitting there critically judging what was going on mm. oh if i had a church I, and this is before i was called mm. to plant a church oh if i had a church i would do this different and i would mm. do this different and it would look this it would look this way and you know as i was playing around with it god was like well then do it 
And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I sat in you a seat. You got okie doked yeah, in the church. Yeah, I got okie doked. I got okie doked into playing the church. So I sat in a seat of, Christ, uh, a seat of criticism without any kind of, uh, you know, solution. Yep. And he was like, you're the solution. Mm. So I put you in this place so that you can see what it is that you would do different by my guidance and leading. Yeah. Now let's do it. And I was like, oh my Lord. Okay, here we go. But man, you, you bring up a good point because perhaps a lot of these people that are critiquing everybody else's church are really church planters. Oh yeah. But they 100%. can't hear his voice because they won't shut up long enough for him to speak. hundred percent. I think that I think that God reveals and irritates you in those places because those are areas where you're the solution to it. So if you don't like the worship at a church, then step up. Then maybe you're a part of that solution. Or if you don't like how it, people are greeting at the at the front, rather than see sit in a seat of criticism, because criticism without correction is just gossip. You're just sitting there gossiping about it. So get up and be a part of the solution. Be the change that you want to see instead of sitting there tearing down all of the dysfunction in areas that you don't agree with. This message has been brought to you by Pastor Andrew F. <laughs> Carter. <laughs> wow. Yeah, 100%. Criticism without correction, without doing anything about it, is just gossip. You're just part of the problem. Oh, that's so good. I'm just going to let that waft in the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good that is. That just needs to waft. Bro, thank you. Thank you. This this was um what I what I love about um the basement and these conversations is when you don't come with an expectation, the Holy Spirit does the navigation. Amen. And I think you summed it up. God wanted us to address the hurt pocket of church hurt hmm. and just poke around and prod in the different nuances of how that looks, how that feels, how that manifests, hmm. how certain people behave in it, look out for these types of mannerisms. Yeah these kind of philosophies, this type of talk, this type of behavior. This was very necessary. 100%. This was a very necessary conversation for us to have, and I am so grateful for your uh, vulnerability and your transparency to just, as a lead pastor, say, this is what I was feeling. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? This is what I was feeling. This is how it was impacting me oh that is just that's gonna help a lot of people i pray it does yeah i believe it will yeah it will it will <sighs> will you come back anytime i need you to come back fam i anytime. need you to come back bro 100 percent. i need you to come back because this is uh this is the first but we know for a fact it ain't the last so thank you man i appreciate it thank you thank you I'm so happy right now. <laughs> that was like a beautiful way to get into church hurt. Oh, okay. The Lord is good. Oh, 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 oh. I want to read it again. 
Because this will help some people not have church hurt. I just want to read it again. Mark, the gospel according to St. Mark, chapter number 9, verse number 38. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Your group ain't the truth. Your group represents the truth. The truth has a name. His name is Yeshua. In America, we call him Jesus, but he is Jewish. He was born Jewish. He lived Jewish. He died Jewish. He rose Jewish. He ascended Jewish, and he's coming back again Jewish. He is not coming to America. He is coming back to the same place the disciples who were Jewish saw him ascend from. And it was not in America. He is not coming back to the Colorado Rockies. He's not coming to the Appalachian Mountains. He is going back to where he came from because he's a Jewish man who is our Lord and our Savior, whether you like it or not. Amen. You are not the truth. He is. Bye. We just thought to take a little time out to thank the Lord.